Welcome to Bruins Source. This is Isaiah. This is Ed. And we are recording here on Sunday, December 8th, um, on the eve of our basketball team playing later this afternoon. But we're here to recap the football season, 2019 UCLA football season. And we're going to uh, talk about some other sports. But mostly that dumpster fire. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I guess we can go back. Let's start with August. August, our first game in Cincinnati, um, when most of our season preseason projections were that we were going to at least make it to a bowl. Uh, I think that was the minimum. That was the floor. And then a lot of us had... Uh, us going seven to five, and then the optimists such as myself saw eight and four. Um, but Cincinnati quickly put that to rest. Um, obviously, a great team. Uh, they lost yesterday in the championship, but they were pretty close to winning their own conference championship. But yeah, um, we I guess we can just do a quick brief over that game. I mean, it was frankly a disaster. It showed us very early on a lot of issues that were pretty endemic with this team throughout the season. Um, Bad defense, uh, phantom fumbles, the whole whole lot. Yeah, it was interesting because a lot of us told ourselves, I, I think most of us were like, I hope, you know, it's a long season. It's okay. We still have 11 games left. But they were habits that just kept showing up throughout the season. I guess the the back foot interceptions didn't show up as much, you know. There was a few more later on towards the end of the season, and, you know, some of those were uh, situational, so they weren't necessarily to be penalized. But like you said, the phantom fumbles, the first drive is the most glaring memory. Um, And that's kind of what we saw for the rest of, well, most of the rest of the season other than the midseason stretch. Um, We also didn't have Josh Kelly that first game, uh, which – definitely hurt us and you know Felton wasn't utilized that was I was so frustrated that game obviously because Felton was just being run up the middle and not you know in space um we didn't have KLS back on defense uh in terms of helping a little bit with the pass rush even though he's kind of been hot and cold uh throughout the year and he the light never really turned on consistently uh, but yeah, Cincinnati just still showed habits of the team, and we only lost. I mean, we lost twenty four to fourteen. But I guess at that time it was like Cincinnati's not as good as they were last year, which everybody was proved wrong because we thought they were gonna drop from, uh, you know, a ten win team to, or eleven win team to about eight. You know, so we were like, okay, they beat us last year in the Rose Bowl, but we're younger now. We're a year older. Um, but yeah, it just, it was kind of indicative. Like it was, it was, it kind of just showed what the season was going to be. A lot of ups and downs. It, it was, was a, it was definitely a strong indicator of how that season was going to be. And I think a lot of people chose to ignore it <clears throat> and that's fair. First game of the season. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of us, including kind of ourselves, buried our our heads in the sand and we're like no that's just a it's an outlier um but the next two games sort of proved that it wasn't an outlier after that yeah and i think san diego state is still one of the biggest surprises for us because san diego state has proven that they are 
Um, not a top tier uh, Mount West team, but just right below. They're like a second tier. And I still think we had no business losing to them at home. And, you know, look, we out. we let a, a quarterback that had like a 50% completion rate throw for a much higher percentage against us only because we just played off coverages the entire time. I was at that game and I remember just being angry the entire time because they just were playing that sag defense on on the receivers and letting this QB who you know really isn't that good just tear us apart and again that was like the second game of the season and then another big sign of how the defense was going to look the rest of the season and again none of us wanted to believe it no and yeah that was a game I missed live and I read a rewatch, but it was just too frustrating to watch the last few minutes. The scheme was so bad, it was just unbelievable, literally unbelievable to the point where we do- we did not want to believe that this is how the team was going to play defense. But and it, and it, in again, retrospect, we, it was how they played defense. And we had, again, that magic number of getting to 14 for the first three games. And San Diego State held us to, to 14 points. Our first, I mean, was it our first or second drive? Like, we looked good again. It was uh, the first drive. It's always the first drive. We scored at this point. It wasn't a fumble like Cincinnati, but we're <laughs> like, okay. And then again, the, just, the game gets away from us. Um, because, as you said, the scheme was starting to show, like, it's cracks in the foundation before it came down. Um, and so San Diego State was another disaster. Uh, it was a two p.m., two p.m. or uh, game. It's hot as hell. Hot as hell. Uh, it, home opener, and it was just it was a disaster once again. And then the next week, that was when we made national news for not, you know, not so great um, news that the fact that we're giving out tickets to the game and Oklahoma was coming in very red hot, uh, and they just completely beat the brakes off of us. That game was over by the first, what, 10 minutes. That's oh, insane. Definitely. Um, so, and that, I mean, I guess that game, it was hard to judge. We, again, we weren't expecting to beat Oklahoma, especially after Cincinnati. Coming into the season, we're like, oh, we're going to give Oklahoma a game. We don't know, you know, and I was definitely one of those sunshine pumpers, but... Um, quickly, we were humbled, you know, by Cincinnati, San Diego State. But even then, the, the Oklahoma loss was still deflating. You still left like, wow, this is not going to get any better. It, right. Um, are I mean, we on it was our deflating way? only because we didn't really, we like you said, we were expecting to at least give them some sort of game for a quarter or two or something. But we just, we weren't able to do that at any point in that game. And so that's what was the most deflating part about it. And then the next week, we head off to Washington State. And that game was probably, I don't, it, it was my favorite game of the season, but for obvious reasons, and, you know, staying up late here on the East Coast until, uh, you know, in the wee hours, it it was such an outlier. I don't know. I really want to avoid assessing that game, but just saying that was just a great game to watch. <laughs> there's there's no really assessment for it, right? Like, the, the defense played like it has all had all year. 
not very well. Gave and up then, a record amount to right. uh, to Gordon. Right, and then the offense just kind of went absolutely nuts and executed to a very high level. There was some degree of luck uh, where we had some catches and things like that that, that kind of broke our way. And I mean, we had two special team TDs in both, right. you know, in both capacities. Like, DTR threw over 500 yards and broke Kate McNown's, uh, you know, record. Like, it was just such a fluky game. In all. It was a very fluky game. And... Is Pac-12 after dark at its peak? That's what it was. Yeah, it was, it, it was on steroids. And it was it was fun to be on that ride for a little bit, but it was, you know, that, that was the game everyone was sort of hoping for. Okay, this is the turnaround game, and it did end up being a turnaround game going into the next game. Yeah, then we went down to the, to the desert, Against Tucson, against a backup QB, and uh, shit you know, the bed. Sh- shit the bed again. They just got the short passes. Our scheme <laughs> is bad. We didn't play Felton um, after you just had one of the most electric you know performances of the year so far at that point, and uh, we also had two bad spots by you know the refs. One which should have been you know a turn. A turnover, and then next thing you know, it led to a TD for Arizona. Their go-ahead TD, but it was just one of those games. It just didn't work out our way, but we also didn't put ourselves in positions to win. Yeah, it, the refereeing was terrible in that game, but I do still maintain that we should never have been in a position to let the referees decide that we were, you know, in the first half of the game at a point where we could have been up like twenty-one-seven. And we could just never break through to get to score um, those points, and so that's that's what was the most frustrating part about it. Like it should never have been down to a field goal in the last in the dying seconds, or the refs, you know, making a few bad calls that changed the complexion of the game. Like we should have had that game controlled. We had every opportunity to have it controlled, and we just could not capitalize on any of those chances. And so that's, again, that's on the team and on the coaches to not be able to, to take advantage of that. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, after that, we had Oregon State come to the Rose Bowl and beat us 48-31 to in convincing fashion. There was no doubts about it. And that was... Fus- that was my most frustrating Chip Kelly called game of his era. Um, I know he had Austin Burden, uh, you know, the backup QB, but just, again, him calling, going forward on fourth and, like, fourth and f- four uh, in the first quarter in your own territory. It's like, you know, most of us are always a go go for it. Go for it fourth, you know, if you're in the enemy's territory. But first quarter... Anyways, it was just, it, it, it was mind-boggling, you know, some of the calls that put us in positions. Again, uh, poorly po- coached game on both sides. Um, Jake Luton had the game of his life again uh, and just continued the trend. Um, yeah, and, and to give Oregon State credit, they were, you know, a lot better than anyone predicted. But, again, you, that's not a team that we should be losing to. 
No, not at all. And, I mean, yeah, Oregon State has talent. They have Isaiah Hodgins, who just declared, and he tore us up. And and so, the, not to say that, but to come into our home, into the Rose Bowl, you know, Oregon State still wasn't a bowl team. And that's not indicative of, you know, the kind of fight they can put up. They also beat some pretty decent teams, or teams at our level. Um, but uh, it's just, again, with the trend of everything that was happening, now we're, you know, one and four at this point. And it's, you know, it, I would say that, aside from, you know, maybe last week losing to Cal and SC just naturally because those are our rivals, uh, but that was the lowest point for me in my UCLA uh, fandom you know, which goes back to what two thousand nine. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't San Diego State. San Diego State. We still had some games coming, and I was just like, "What the hell is happening?" And the whole preseason talk, which was just silly. But uh, Oregon State was just. It was. You know, we're one and four. We're not zero oh and two. It's. We're like you know, okay. We, we lost Oregon State during the uh, the Brett Hundley first year or two. So. But that that team was good. It was coached by Riley. They had uh, Mannion, Mannion, and Brandon Cooks, and Brandon Cooks. Like so, and I did we lose in or did we? We did lost we at the Rose Corv- Bowl in twenty twelve. Oh, that's what it was at the Rose Bowl. Didn't we go up to Corvallis and lose to them too? Yeah, possibly. Was- I remember the. I remember the Rose Bowl game very well because I was there. It was our senior year, and. There was a play where Manning threw like a slant pattern with Cooks, and Cooks took it all the way. You're right, just, and for guess some reason that's seared into my memory. I remember that, and I think Sheldon Price was guarding him, so or yeah, wasn't well, guarding him. But yeah, I, one I of those clowns. <laughs> yeah, our ODBs. Anyways, so yeah, that Oregon State has beat us. They've beaten us, and you know, but it just it, 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 at this point. That was a game also where if you're one and four compared to one and you know or two and three, you know like the chances of you making a bowl game. That's the game that stuck us to be like, there's a good chance we won't make a bowl unless we do something miraculous. Um, and then so. we sort of did do almost something miraculous, or it looked like it was going to be miraculous. Yeah. Then we had a bye week, um, and then we played on a Thursday in October. Uh, in middle of October and Stanford again expecting a loss just because but then news comes out that uh, now we're down to the third QB uh, and we're playing and he's playing his first game the O-line is very injured and guess what our scheme our scheme has some balls our DC decides that he wants to coach this like other you know scheme other defensive coordinators just scheme us and we blitz, it works. The pass rush works. We press, it works. Everything works. And we beat Stanford for the first time since 2008. And everybody, I don't, I don't know how you felt. I was happy to beat Stanford, but it still felt weird in the fashion that we did it. I um, don't care how, about the fashion. I'm just glad we got that you know, losing streak over. And I was ready to knock it out, but I was just like, there was just something, again, off about this one. And I'm not, again, it was like, this is the team. I mean, I know it was a conversation going around, but I felt that, like, this is the team to beat Stanford or beat this Stanford team. You know, it just felt. It, it like, was a little ironic, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I get that. But, but again, it's like that. I was ecstatic that we beat them, but again, there was not a whole lot to glean from that, or it was hard to glean anything from that game because, you know, they're playing a third string QB, um, you know, a lot of backups, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the. The thing we sort of took from that game is like, hey, there's some defensive schematics that have changed. Is this a sign that we're going to be a little bit more aggressive? And maybe that is going to be some uh, a key to some future success on, on the field. Um, and so that was kind of the biggest takeaway of that game. Not necessarily that we beat Stanford. Uh, but again... It proved to be true for only a couple of games, and then it went away. But we'll we'll get to that. And then coming after that, then we had uh, Arizona State, which most of us they were favored in that game by I believe a touchdown. They're coming into the Rose Bowl, and guess what? We looked good. That was probably our best performance of the year. Uh, in terms of a, a decent team we played. And that was... They ranked at the time. Yeah, they're 24th in the nation. And we came in we came in prepared. And again, our scheme... We, we had them at one point. We were up 42 to 10, right? Before they rattled off 22 points. Yeah, I mean, we kind of went into more of a prevent defense for a little bit. And that allowed them to, to score some points. But largely, I mean... You know, we disrupted Jaden Daniels by attacking him, and we limited Eno Benjamin, but and you know held him to probably I think at the, at least at that time his lowest yardage output. Um, so, you know, again, that was now game number two of this new defensive kind of scheme and this mentality, and it was like, okay, now there's a trend. We're playing competent. Defense. I'm not going to say good, but competent enough to win games and stop offenses. And so that was sort of the, the a, a trend that we had seen emerging at this point. ASU sort of proved what we saw from Stanford, and it was a, a very positive development. And I think we were all we were both very happy to see it. Um, and again, and then the offense was looking also pretty decent. Um, Josh Kelly was finally kind of rounding into form, um, being fully healthy and, and getting his game going. And so there was a lot of kind of optimism at this point after ASU where it was like, okay, we've woken up a little bit. Uh, the defense is playing like we kind of want them to be playing. You know, DTR is, is playing pretty well. Uh, Josh Kelly's healthy and he's going going pretty well you know the o-line is playing decently like this is this is gelling into a, a decent possibly a decent season now yeah and we were three or four at that point so then we have another team that's coming to the rose bowl the following week and that's colorado who uh it was starting to fall off and <clears throat> and they come in Obviously, they had a rough game against SC the week before where they lost in the last quarter. Um, and they put up a pretty hell of, they put a hell of a performance up before that. And, and guess what? It seemed like we caught them at the right time. And, and Colorado, 
bit. We won 34 to 17, I believe. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that game, like the first quarter was just amazing. It was like, oh my gosh, wow. We might be like the most dangerous, you know, three, three and four, four. Yeah, or, you know, going on to four and four. Like, this is amazing. You know, DTR throws that shot that hits Fernia. Uh, and that was like that was the peak of it, and <clears throat> you know the rest of the game it it went it, it kind of it wasn't you know it wasn't that great the rest of the game it kind of it had its lulls there was some points where I was like okay this is just what's going on now you know but we were in control of the game and that's what mattered we and, controlled that game from start to finish basically yeah and it was kind of those old you know. David Shaw, not old because it's only a few years ago, but like those very 2013 to, to 2015 Stanford control the clock, you know, type of David Shaw uh, teams. And that sense, those performances. But it was weird because the first quarter, it was just like explosive play, explosive play. And then the rest of the game turned into that. Um, so, yeah, another interesting game. But now, you know, fans are... We're, we're pretty optimistic that we might be able to make a bowl game, uh, given that we have three teams left. I think SC was struggling. They were still, they were still winning, but I think they just lost. They didn't look good. Yeah, and they just got blown out by Oregon that night, um, you know, across town. So it, it, at that point, that was the peak of the season in terms of optimism, where Oregon State was a low. So four weeks difference was it was huge, and then we had a huge recruiting boom, uh, one of the biggest weeks. I I can remember a non, non signing day week. Uh, even I don't remember Mora having that. Maybe since New Heisel used to have some random week. I don't. I can't remember any that had a big recruiting one. And this recruiting era where everything's online and the whole social media. I think that was one of our biggest ones. Yeah, it was right in the middle of the season. I don't remember anything like this. I mean, like we can. That'd be interesting to see to go back and look. But I, I don't, you know, just anecdotally remember. Um, but again, this was like the this was the honeymoon period of the season. Came toward in the middle of it, and you know, again, team was rolling on the field. Recruiting started rolling. You know, I I, I don't know. You know, correlation isn't always causation, but it, there seemed to be something, something there with the wins. We were getting recruits, which makes sense. Um, and a simple theory that most of us had with UCLA, and I mean most schools, but even UCLA benefits more so at that and has an advantage. Right. And so there was, there was, yeah, a lot of optimism um, around the program, and and people and fans you would talk to, they were you know, looking up and it was, it was looking like it was going to be a salvageable season at this point, um, with some key games coming up. Um, but as we know, the wheels sort of, uh, sort of fell off after this. Yeah. So then we had a bye week. Um, and we, again, we were like, Oh, we're going to give Utah a game. Uh, you know, Utah has been dominant, but it's also they're playing. I mean, even the national media is running with it, but they're they're coming up and they're playing the hottest four and four team in the country. Uh, actually, you know what? Were we four and five at that point? Um, 
Were we four and five? We Let me look. Five. We're five. Wait, were we? Where did the other loss come from? We were four and six. I think, no, we're four and five going into Utah, and then we lost that game. So, correction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were four and five after uh, Colorado. Um, And we were one and five after Oregon State. So, anyways, uh, correction on those going back. So, anyways, we're going to Utah. And it, it one bye week worked for us with Stanford, which a team which was trending down. The other bye week, our second bye week, did not work for Utah. It, we just completely, I mean, yeah, we were like playing a very dominant, like if not, you know, the second best team in the Pac-12. But we just completely shot ourselves in the foot in the red zone. It was like, you know, the anti-red zone game because. Though that was just insane to watch. Losing forty nine to three um was unacceptable in all levels. That was one of the most deflating games I have seen in Oh god, I can't even last would, two or three years. That was the most deflating game since uh Stanford two thousand fourteen when we lost to sixty five mm. Stanford. And we were on a high. We were on the verge of going to the Fiesta Bowl and going to the Pac-12 championship. Um, that's how. That's how I felt about it. It yeah. It just you know, regardless of lose, it wasn't even again. Like I keep feel like I keep saying this, but it wasn't the fact that we lost this game, but it was just the manner in which we lost this game. We went back to so many old bad habits from the first three games of the season. The the horrible defensive schemes the phantoms like uh the uh the dtr phantom fumbles and just turnovers in general like it just it was bad i mean we didn't score a touchdown yeah and zach moss had his way with us you know he had his breakout runs that, that which we were expecting josh kelly to have at least and I, I don't did Josh Kelly even have uh over sixty yards in that game? I can't even remember. But it was No, just, I, I don't I remember. He, like he did not have a great game, but you know, he, he had some key plays and he was he was churning along as much as he possibly could, but you know, the defense of Utah keyed in on him smartly and made us throw and we just couldn't get it done. Yeah. So that game uh put us back at where we thought we were after Oregon State set us back um, and it was, it was just a momentum killer those momentum killer games and it, it was pretty bad then the following week we come up to to head down to the Coliseum where our two touchdown uh, underdog against SC who now at this point is ranked for the first time um, I believe of the season actually uh, uh, well, I think they've been ranked before Maybe after their first win, they were ranked before they lost to BYU. But, yeah, so they're back in the rankings, or they're in the rankings for the first time. We don't pay much attention to them. We try not to. But, um, yeah, that game, I don't know. I mean, it was, I, I really appreciate the fight we had in it. But, again, it was just Michael Pittman showed out. He had the storybook ending career game. Um, Amon Ra. 
you know, he showed that he's going to be, a, you know, a force to be reckoned with. And I think the biggest thing, I didn't mention this in our recap of that game. I, uh, what's his name? I, Hufunga or Tufunga. That guy is a terror. Like, I mean, when they got him from Oregon, when I was like, I was looking at his tape, I was like, this guy is just going to be a problem. But I'm actually, like, he, again, it's going to affect his play because he always seems to get dinged up because how hard he plays. But if he makes it to the end of the season and we have to play him, um, yeah, I think he's one of the best defensive players besides Kayvon over the next two years. Uh, if he doesn't, I mean, over over the next year at least, because he may declare for the draft. But um, he's legit, and he caused us so much, so many issues, and we we're still able to put up thirty five points. But um, I mean, the kid's a terror. Like that is a legit. You know, I don't really like to praise USC players, but that one I can make an exception for. Yeah, like, yeah, even he's a... and sorry, I was gonna say in the soft Clay Helton era, like he's an exception. He's a good player, but again, that defense isn't very good, and we did give up. They did give up thirty-five points, or thirty thirty-five. Is that what? Yeah, to our offense, and and you know the crux of the the loss of that game was our defense again. You know, I can't I can't blame our offense when they put up at least thirty-five points. Like that's a winnable like point total. Like if you score thirty-five points, you should have a good chance of of winning a game. You shouldn't be losing by 17. Right. And instead, the defense went on and put a, like, allowed 50-plus points, let a true freshman quarterback yeah, set the record in yards for that, their school in a single game. It, it, it's just mind-boggling like how bad the defense had regressed again at, to this point. Like It just was so frustrating to watch because, you know, you could see that this was a winnable game, especially in the first half. Like, we were right in it. Even in the second half, while we fell back behind a little bit, we climbed back into it, and all we needed was, like, one or two defensive stops, and we just could not get it done. And, you know, instead of getting stops on every third down, we would give up a touchdown on a third and long instead. And so that was just, it was just such a, a, a symbol, I guess, of the entire season and of how the defense performed and, you know, really let this team down, I think, game after game. Yeah, I mean, the, um, the, the body language of our DBs kind of spoke for it as well. Uh, they just, they're deflated by, they're just like, how am I supposed to defend this guy if I'm 15 yards, you know? giving him so much cushion and then we can also talk about the one to London Drake just that pass and we're just like how are we not being paid you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to coach when you you know when we can call that play right there that it's a it's a finally we're gonna get a stop as you said and they're going to London Drake and you have a man 10 yards um, away and all he does is go he catches it he's surprised that he has you know as much room as he has and they convert it and so I mean props to, uh, props to our team for fighting for it but it's just again it was just a poorly coached game and it was especially the game we expected at that point it was inexcusable for for Jerry Azanero 
to continue as a, our defensive coordinator. The rest of the season it was already bad enough, but you you lose to a rival in that sense, right? You're not prepared for a rival in, in, in that. You give up that that many record. You know, when you're giving up record amount, you have to go. Like, it's, it's about pride at this point. You have an expiring contract, and that's when the fire as an arrow campaign really took force. Oh, it, it took force for me a long time before this, but you're right. It's it's the biggest game of the season that you have. You have everything to play for here. Not only is it, you know, you're playing Southern Cal. This is your biggest rival. You know, it has recruiting repercussions and just, you know, repercussions for the fans. But you're also, you have bowl eligibility on the line here. Like, you win this game and you are alive to still go to a bowl and you lose this and you're done. You're basically, your season's over. And that is the scheme that you put out there. Like I get that their receivers are all good across the board. You know, they're probably the most talented you know, receiver core in the Pac-12 and one of the most talented receiver cores in the entire country. I get it. That is hard to defend and hard to scheme for. But... You know, I, I think we all would have been having a different conversation if, if we had been playing a little bit more press and, you know, trying to disrupt them and attacking the quarterback at all. We just didn't do any of that. We had no recipe for success or even, like, tried to look like we were trying to have a recipe for success and instead just sagged off the receivers again and didn't get to the quarterback. And just, it was just a, a mess. And at that point, I, I think after the game, we just felt like the season had ended. Obviously, we didn't have bowl eligibility. DTR, you know, tweets out, like, I'm sorry. You know, he, he tweets apology to Bruins Nation, you know? <laughs> like, it, it just, it, at this point, we're like, oh, and this, uh, like, we shouldn't, again, USC should be our last game of the season. And that has to do with, you know, Notre Dame bullying the Pac-12 in our scheduling. But it, it really... It shows obligatory like obligatory fuck Larry Scott. Yeah, and it shows that we really need to change that because the rest of the season, I, I guess you know, if we had had both, or we're in a chance if we win that game, then Cal would mean something, but it didn't, and and you know, it became like when it just becomes when it gets to a point where you're like, oh, let's win this for the seniors. That's how you know you had a bad season. Like, if that's the only thing you're rooting for, you know, the team, in that sense of, like, we want them. Because at that point, we just, it, it, it felt like, all right, let's move on to the next season. They were meeting with Chip Kelly over the week about his changes, you know, <clears throat> for the next season. And it, it, Cal came out, again, it was just the same thing. We came out strong. Uh, we went up a touchdown. We all knew how it was going to play out. It played out that way. And Cal beat us, and they, you know, we had a two-game win, win streak against them, um, and now, you know, Cal got their win, and so the only good thing that came out of that game was Josh Kelly got a thousand yards. Yeah, and he hit it in you know spectacular fashion, with a right leap on like over a twenty-yard run. Yeah, and a very great leap. Yeah, I mean, there's not a ton to say about the Cal game. I, I feel like, again, it's everything we've 
disgust also applies to the Cal game with the added, you know, kind of morosity of the the affair where we just didn't have anything to play for besides the guys leaving. And, you know, you feel for those guys if you listen to, you know, um, Josh Woods and uh, Josh Kelly's press conference uh, after the game, like... You could see that these guys have so much more pride and just wanted to win so much more. And it's sad to see these guys go because, you know, you, you, Woods, you know, put out, you know, is all during his, you know, four or five years here, you know, with all the injuries and everything. And, you know, he's a guy that you kind of root for and you want him to succeed. And same thing with Josh Kelly. Everyone knows his story from, you know, being a walk-on to transfer from UC Davis to being the star running back and, you know, possibly could have been one of the best running backs in the country had we been competent all season. But just when he says, like, you know, the only thing I wish for more that I did at UCLA while my time here was win more is just, like, heartbreaking to me because you know had these kids been put in the correct positions during their you know 10 years here they would have been able to win more because they have the talent they have the heart they have the work ethic they just did not have the coaches to be able to put them in the scheme and in positions to win and so that it's just frustrating for me as a fan but i can't imagine how frustrating it is for these kids And I, I think that goes on to speak about the character of, like, of the group of student-athletes that we had, the young men. Um, they had so much high character throughout the past couple of years. A lot of them didn't transfer, you know, just to say, like, I'm quitting, you know, the, the UCLA program. If anybody left, they had already graduated and they needed to hit a new offense. You know, they weren't recruited by Kelly. And... You know, it was only this season where I I guess like this off season that we may now see some transfers that were recruited by Kelly. But even then, the guys who are leaders on the team have stuck around and that's great to see. Josh I think Josh Kelly just getting, you know, again, two back to back or getting back to back seasons of a thousand yards and doing his part, especially he has like the greatest story. Which, you know, we all love and to see that is, you know, it's an accomplishment in itself and I think you know, one day, you know, God willing, and I think we all expected to get there when UCLA's winning, we can look back at Josh Kelly, at Josh Woods, at Chris Barnes, you know, these, these talents, uh, you know, and, and not even in the sense of like extraordinary talents, but just guys with hearts and that played during one of the worst times at UCLA and building a foundation and a culture that hopefully lasts. Um, that's the optimism there um, is them you know, setting, sacrificing that, you know, in the sense of not getting the, you know, the losses they have, they're not sacrificing much because they're still having a great education and UCLA experience. But for those kids who come later and if they win, they really have to look back at those group of men. Uh, kind of in the sense of like, uh, <laughs> I'm not, not to take this here, but like in the sense of, uh, you know, these guys who sacrifice themselves for battle, you know, and they didn't come out to see, you know, reap the awards that, that come out from it. Uh, and I'm not trying to think of these kids of like, you know, losing their lives, but they just didn't get to experience, you know, winning a bowl game, at least in the four years that they're there. 
Uh, they only went, what, the seniors have went to one bowl game throughout their four years. They went to the Cactus Bowl and lost to Kansas A lot of them probably State. didn't even play in that game. Yeah. And, and so it, 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 we expect, you know, our, at the bare minimum, our student-athletes to get that experience. And it's unfortunate that they, were, they, they didn't get that, you know, because of the schematic issues that we, you know, the incompetence that happened at a high level above them. And they, they were just outstanding. The character of the team, they didn't break down. Yeah, I mean, you didn't hear a lot about, you know, people fighting or, you know, the locker room kind of falling apart or any of that kind of drama that you sometimes hear with, you know, sports teams falling apart and losing a lot. And you didn't hear a lot of, you know, I blame this person or, or the, you know, the blame game didn't come out ever. Even, you know, through on even on like football on the the fan boards, like you didn't ever really see, you know, anonymous sources is telling me that, you know, Josh Woods is fed up and there's a fight in the locker room between him and, you know, XYZ other player. Like there was none of that. So it was either very well covered up if it did happen or like our guys kept it together and I'm willing to bet that our guys kept it together and, you know, held up their heads and just kept working. Um, and yeah, it is a testament to their character. Yeah, the com- camaraderie was, you know, all-time high for... I think but probably one of the best camaraderies worse. in a nation for a 4-8 team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just it just makes it worse than when you know that these guys are, are are good kids like who worked hard and and played their hearts out and they just we couldn't get them to that point. Our coaches couldn't get to the point where they were winning and you know going to bowl games and kind of reaping the successes of that hard work on the field for us and that that's 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 what sucks. And um, just to highlight a few people who had, like. Great seasons. First is Devin Asiasi. Uh, I mean, he he picked up right where Caleb left off. With he had four TDs, um, or yeah, he had four TDs. He had over six hundred and forty yards. He like he was he he was who I thought he was gonna be, and I hope he returns. Um, I know he has you know one more year of eligibility, and he can look at his prospects of being drafted, but. Hopefully he sticks around. Uh, another one I'm thinking of offensive guys. Uh, Kyle Phillips was actually he was an absolute dog. Very much some of the most steady hands. I know he had a drop versus SC. Um, that was pretty crucial. But other than that, he I I love his fight and he's probably one of my like favorite slot receivers in a long time. Um, and he let the he let the team in uh, in receptions and yeah, on he's and a yards. Good, he's a very good receiver. Yeah, and so a big shout out to him. Um, I mean Josh Kelly, obviously, and I don't know who else stuck out for you. I have a few others, but you know, well, Josh Woods, just you know the leadership he provided all season, um, coming back from so many injuries, uh, and being able to be out there. Uh, his last season, I think, you know, it's, it's very commendable. Um, Chris Barnes stood out this season. Uh, he had a lot of flashy plays, and, and I think largely just played really well, uh, especially through the second half of the season, despite, you know, the defense not being very good. He, he did play well at that linebacker position. Um, 
you know, Felton felt in the for well, I guess he's not is he a senior? he's not a senior. He's a junior. Yeah. Um, so I won't I won't mention him right now, but um you know, Boss Tagaloa. I thought I Boss struggled a, shout a bit. Out, like, but he just him himself, he just seems you know, he's held the unit together. Yeah. Uh, he had a few moments of struggling, but him like he did like he seemed like a very much a leader on, on that front for the for the absolute the unit, the offensive line unit. So I did think like we do love Boss and just everything he's meant to the team. But his performance his best performance was definitely last year. Yeah, and I think he still played well enough this year to to be a, a solid O lineman. Um but yeah, I I I get your point. Um Sean Ryan, I mean, I remember when he had his first flag against Cincinnati, but he turned out to play really well and he's going to come into his own. Um he came into his own and he's I'm excited for him. Right. And he's a freshman, so I mean, yeah, I guess let's talk about this now. Like going forward now that we're we're kind of done with the season. Um obviously no bowl game, no practicing, none of that. What changes do you want to see? What changes do you expect to see going into the off season now? Um, the obvious one. So the obvious one, let's get let's knock it out. Is Jerry needs to step down. I don't care where he is on the staff elsewhere, um, but he shouldn't have play calling uh, abilities um, for our defense. Uh, he needs to be reassigned or removed. I just I want from him gone. Staff. Period. Um, so I, I think that that is the case. I also think we need to get rid of Don Pelham, um, or reassign him. Those are the two glaring ones. Uh, Don Pelham hasn't bring in, he hasn't brought in barely any recruits. Uh, and, and I just, I don't, I just think they're out of touch. Those two men. What does Don Pelham exactly do for our team? I, it, it's a, a mystery in itself. It just seems like these guys are just checking in. Hey, we're with you in Oregon. We're going to ride with you at UCLA. Let's do it, you know. And, so those and that's two. What, what is worrying to me right now is Chip, Chip has not made any moves, especially when there's such glaringly obvious moves to make with like the, the first one, again, being Ozanaro. Like when you have one of the most underperforming defenses in the country and the guy responsible for that is not making those changes that need to address those issues. That is the definition of a underperforming like uh, employee. Like this person is not doing his job. And that is a, if you're not doing your job, you get fired in any other job. And the fact that Chip is, you know, reportedly not taking well to him, you know, to the administration telling him, hey, this guy needs to go, he's underperforming, is very scary to me. And indicative of the fact that, like, maybe Chip Kelly cannot actually run a program and is better suited as a offensive coordinator or something like that. Because, you know, being a head coach, that is a big part of the job is being able to make these tough decisions of on personnel. Do I have the right coordinators to put my team in 
positions to succeed? Do I have the right, like, players? Do, like, these are all things that he is in charge of and is responsible for addressing when needed to be. And so, you know, if the defensive coordinator isn't performing up to par, he needs to make changes. And now it's two years of the same thing. It's not like it seems like it's getting any better. Like, it is such a boneheaded thing to not fire him at this point, and it is very worrying to me of kind of the overall trajectory of the Chip Kelly era right now. I think with Chip, Chip tries to stand out in the sense of, and this is, I have no evidence of this, this is just observation of, Chip was fired after one season with the Niners, and I think he understands what it's like to be on the other end, and before showing, you know, results, and in that sense, I think Chip, in his mind, is giving these guys, you know, one more year, right? And I don't agree with it at all, but this is what I'm thinking. He says, like, I'm going to give Jerry uh, one more year to make adjustments. He could have done that this season, during the season. But he does this thing where he's like, he needs time. Like, I'm not, this is a guy that I know gets it. And he feels like he's giving up on this guy. And it's kind of like giving up on himself that, you know, that he didn't make the right decision. And I think Chip does have this kind of hubris of just like, uh, it, it's so frustrating, but he thinks he, he, he's hard at telling himself that he's wrong, you know, and it takes sometimes uh, four and eight, three and nine seasons for him to, you know, cry at a banquet and, and give a heartfelt message that he realizes it's now so and it should never to me, get though. to that. You you say that, but then you know last year he kind of cleaned house on the recruiting end. After the the recruiting team that he had put together originally really didn't didn't perform up to par, and so it's just it just so seems so strange that he he was not willing to budge on this, and when it's so clear that this is the the biggest factor kind of holding this team back. I just I don't I don't understand it like. It's so frustrating. Yeah. No, it really is. So, um, okay, so, so I, we... Sorry, yeah, go ahead. So going back, yeah, those are two. Or what about in terms of personnel, what, what else do you think? I mean, player-wise, so we need to recruit, I, I would still argue, more O-linemen. Um, you know, we lose some key key pieces, mostly in boss this off season. So, you know, we we only have what like three or four commits on the O line. Like, I would have liked to have seen like five to six. Um, and so I I still do think that needs to be addressed. Uh, overall, kind of, you know, the the. Offense is never going to run smoothly if we don't have a lineman, regardless of who the quarterback is. And so, you know, for the future, we need to be able to stock the the depth chart. And, and it still feels like we're lacking a little bit in that department. Um, in terms of personnel, like coaching-wise, like we cover the defensive guys. I... I I don't know about the offense. Um, you know, Fry being the quote unquote offensive coordinator, it's still unclear to me if he's what he's doing on that end. 
Um, it's more of, again, just a title change for a pay raise, but, you know, the offense was, you know, very frustrating this season uh, because we just didn't feel like we could fulfill the potential that was there. And then a lot of that had to do with play calling. So, you know, I think we, Chip needs to kind of think about that end of things as well and be like, look, what is the offensive scheme we're trying to run and do we have the capacity to do so? And part of his job is to look at the roster, look at the team and, you know, adjust for that to make sure that we have a scheme that puts these guys in, um, I keep saying this, but positions to succeed. And it feels like he's so stubborn in terms of the scheme that he's put together, regardless of, you know, maybe he doesn't have a quarterback that is well-suited for this scheme. And, you know, DTR is more suited for a a little bit more of a a spread and, and running QB scheme. But we just, he's not doing that. And it's, and that's, what's frustrating. And, I feel like I've uh, made this comparison a lot of times on the show now, and it's also because I'm a Ravens fan, but you look at the Ravens from last year and this year in the NFL, and you have this quarterback who's... I'm not comparing you know, Lamar Jackson to anybody on our team. Like Lamar Jackson very well could be a generational talent with like trajectory he's on. Um, but... What the what the team did this off past off season was, you know, they looked at the personnel that they had and looked at the schemes that they had last season and said, look, while we tried to run those schemes, they were not successful because this is the personnel group we have and we we need to tailor the offense to fit these guys and t- so they can succeed and that's what they've done and look at how damn good they've been because they've been you know, woke up and realized that. And I think Chip needs to do the same thing. He needs to look at who he has as players, whether it's DTR or, you know, next year, Casimir Allen and, you know, Kyle Phillips and Coda and all these other players that on the offense and be like, okay, we're not running, trying to do a power run scheme for the entire season. Like maybe we need to go back to a tempo and spread it out again. Like maybe this is what we're more suited for. But he just... I don't think he has, he's too prideful to do that. And I think that is a problem. And so I, I would like to see that happen as kind of, you know, come to terms with what he has to work with and actually tailor an offense around that. But I, I just, I don't have a lot of confidence in, in whether he will do that or not. Um, so I, I agree with that completely. I I, I, this is what I think is going to happen. If I made a prediction, <laughs> knowing Chip, he's going to reassign Azanero after after um, signing day, right after recruits have signed. And I think he he may. I I know this has just been speculation throughout the season, but I think he's going to have Rhodes do the play calling. Like I wouldn't even be surprised if he doesn't bring in anybody else in, and he'll just make that adjustment. Um, and but then, does Rhodes have the capacity to do that? I, I legitimately don't know. And and then I think he'll reassign as an arrow to I don't know analysts or something, and and have Rhodes I'm the water boy. Yeah, yeah. 
And, you know, eventually Azanero will go and find another position somewhere else. I don't know who's going to hire him um, with that resume. But, um, nobody. Yeah. I, I don't think Chip's going to go out and grab somebody. Like, I would love it if he went and, you know, grabbed an, a big name like Jim Levitt or, you know, one of those yeah, guys. Yeah, Jim but, Levitt would be like the dream. Yeah, but it, it just don't see Chip doing that. And, you know, Charlie Strong's name's come up, but he doesn't have West Coast ties. He's definitely going to go to, like, Ole Miss or Florida State, one of those two. And so I that's how I expect it to happen. I don't expect big, swift changes. I think Chip is giving it three years, and he's and that's because of the conversation that he had with Aikman and um, Wasserman that say, like, I need three to four years. I think they said four years. Um, to write this ship. And to him, this is just the, you know, the ups and the downs. And and I think unless, you know, we have players, it, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately we do, unfortunately we don't, but we don't have players who, we have high character players. So he's not, I don't think he's dealing with the pressures internally uh, from the kids that he would elsewhere. And for him, it gives him, you know, time to do, to move around and manage the team the way he wants to. I just don't know if it's going to get us to the success, you know, level of success. Right. And we're I, losing I just, millions of dollars in revenue and season tickets off of this, you know. Right. And I so, don't see any indication that this the ship is being righted. Like, there's no data suggesting that we are, you know, yes, we lost a bunch of games, but hey, look at the data from last year and look at the data from this year. Where there's a market improvement and we're trending in the right direction. In fact, I think it probably shows the opposite way. Well, they're selling that three-game win streak as, like, the preview of this team can win. And I think that is what the team, you know, the coaches are out doing right now. Like, look, our team's young. We have, you know, the stupid stat of 100 million freshmen. It's so stupid. But, you know, our team's young, and we're going to get there. You know, and it's just that kind of, that's that's their narrative that they're going That's fine with. as a narrative for a recruiting pitch, but, like, in – actuality and then looking at actual data there's nothing that suggests that we're actually improving year year over year at this point and like that that is a problem yeah so we'll see um i guess this you know we wraps up year two of chip kelly uh not necessarily where we want to be and not necessarily optimistic we will get there um but again, we know that this is what we have. So it's just one of those weird places for a UCLA football fan. It's it's sort of a dark place. It feels like we're in the bottom of a cellar right now because there's no sign of things picking up right now. And so, you know, it's hard to predict what we're going to be doing next year and how, how this team's going to look. Uh, I just, I... I uh, yeah, I'm not feeling very optimistic, I guess, going into this offseason. Fair enough. Um, all right, so we'll see. Uh, we'll recap uh, We'll recap the, you know, the signing day, December signing day. But, you know, after that, I guess we'll, we'll talk football later in February. Yeah, I need, I need a break from football. <laughs> yeah, I think we all do, all of us Bruin fans. Uh, so on to basketball. Basketball, I think since the last time we recorded, they played um, Michigan State. Well, first they played BYU. That was a disaster. Um, won't talk too much about that. And then they beat up on a little small school. 
uh, D2 school. Um, I don't even remember the name. Chaminade? Yeah. I mean, I remember They play in that just, tournament every year. Yeah. Yeah. And they all, they're there. And it's then the local we, Maui team. The local Maui. And then we played Michigan State, which actually, I mean, we hung with them for the first half. Um, and then, you know, Michigan State finally, you know, woke up uh, and they put the beats on us as a team should. And I think it was because Izzo wore a Hawaiian shirt and Mick didn't. But, I, you know, I don't want to criticize <laughs> Mick too much. But that, when I saw that, I was like, oh, man, Mick, you're breaking tradition. You got to wear the Hawaiian shirt. Oh, <laughs> Mick, your first mistake. <laughs> yeah. No, I. you're right. You know, we did hang with them for most of that game. I wasn't, you know, terribly upset that we lost. I think everyone had sort of chalked that up to a loss. Um, but, you know, we... we we frustrated their defense, uh, their offense for a while. We played pretty good defense, and you know, we 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 put up a good fight until the you know last you know maybe ten minutes or so where they really broke broke away. But we were only down two at the half. Um, we actually even led parts of it, so it was it was I think kind of a in a loss a a positive building block for this team. Um, but. But again, you know, you mentioned the loss to BYU, and and this was an expected loss. But it's it's um, we've talked about this before. It's not going to be a, a you know a straight linear progress, and so we're going to see these bumps on the road early on. You can tell that this this team is still um, struggling sometimes to you know put in the defensive effort and the defensive schemes that make kind of requires of them to play uh, because they've never been asked to play that before in the last several years they've been here. So that's, that's obviously a learning curve for a lot of these guys. And, you know, probably some of them are never going to, going to achieve it and that's fine. But we played uh, San Jose state last weekend and they're probably one of the worst teams on our schedule. However, Jaime Jaquez kind of had a big, big breakout game. And he did. he's been a guy we've all been sort of calling for to get more PT. Yeah, I mean, and funny enough, he was an Alfred recruit like that could have, you know, went elsewhere when Cronin was hired, but he stuck around. And he, yeah, he's looked great. <laughs> Yeah, he's looking like the guy that, you know, our offense can kind of rely on when we need buckets. Uh, he's also playing pretty good defense right now. High um, energy, fella. Yeah, yeah, definitely a lot of energy. And, and so he he is a very, you know, the, he is definitely somebody as a true freshman we can build around. And a, he's going to be a very good player, especially in the coming years. And he's already emerging to be a good good player right now. And so that's that's super encouraging to see a guy like that kind of respond to to Mick and and get more PT by with his play the way he has been, um, and just you know good things have been happening every time he's on the court. We need we need more more Hawk has less Prince Ali in my opinion. I agree. I think Prince we're over Prince. Prince is overstayed as welcome. Um, and yeah, I don't want to bash on a kid too much, but we're over it. 
we just need his minutes to to diminish and start to get the younger guys. Because I know, I mean, we saw it with Singleton last year. I think we saw a similar, like, we felt the same way about Singleton last year that we feel about Hawkeyes so far. And and we're hoping, I mean, it will be good if we have two of them, that just high energy, very solid, um, very reliable, you know, shooters and just scores. And then also just giving an effort on the end. You know, a Singleton gets healthy, of course. But, um I mean, yeah, we have a game coming up today against Denver, which would be another tune-up. Uh, 19-point favorite, so that one should be taken care of pretty early. And Hopefully. Then, then we have Notre Dame, which is our... Um, our true road game. True road game, and our, uh, I guess, yeah. I guess, and then we have UNC after, but I guess I was going to say our last game before uh, conference play, but we have a few more games. Um, the Notre Dame would be an interesting test. I think that would be fun to watch to see if uh, see where we are because I I think that team we met we have more talent than them, but obviously they have more experience. Um, so it'd be a good test compared to playing a Michigan State, you know. Right, and and it's going to be their first true uh, road game too. So I don't know how they're going to respond to that, but hopefully. Hopefully they respond to it well, and we'll see how it goes. I'm, I am excited for that. I think it'll be a fun game. Um, so basketball, that season's going. And what else? What other sports? Women's basketball still rolling. Still rolling. Um, they just beat yesterday CSUN, I believe. They blew out CSUN. Well, they didn't blow them out, but they're, they're staying steady. The girls' soccer lost. Ugh. Uh, I was so mad. Friday to, of course, the one team we hate losing to, other than the one across town, um, Stanford. And so Stanford's going into the final versus UNC. We really are rooting for UNC because um, we can't have Stanford expand their lead. And so, yeah, so Stanford beats the girls. But they had a great season. I really think, especially how, I mean, they started out highly ranked, but, you know, for how they... It played out in the season. Uh, didn't they lose to Florida State early on in the season, or did they beat them twice? No, I think they beat Florida State at home. Okay, so they beat them twice. They beat them at home, and then they beat them in a tournament, right? Okay. So, anyways, uh, like regarding beating, you know, the number one team in you know in their bracket and whatnot, I think they had an absolutely great season, uh, and they bright future ahead of them. Um, so that's them, and then women's volleyball lost to Wisconsin in regionals, unfortunately. Um, so their Take seasons a lot start. of L's this week. Yeah, seasons are ending. You know, men's soccer ended. We didn't even mention this, but <clears throat> men's soccer ended in uh, mid November. Uh, they didn't. I don't even think they made the postseason, but they finished. No, up they didn't. San Diego State. They won their you know their final, but. <laughs> But new coach, so, you know. Yeah, work in progress. Give him a year or two. Um, I guess that's, I guess the fall sports are concluding right now. Now with, is that? I think golf is still going. Is golf still going? Okay. I'm not sure. I could be wrong about that. um, Women's gymnastics is starting soon, so I am excited for that. Yeah, but I think fall semester, ones who started, you know, beginning of fall semester are now starting to conclude going into yeah, the holiday. Definitely. Uh but yeah, that's it. 
That's it. That's all I got for now. Yeah, it's um, yeah, we only really just got the basketball teams going now for time being. Um, gymnastics is starting up in a in a couple weeks, I think, and that'll be fun. I'm interested to see how they they uh, look with the new coach. Um, but you know, we still have so much talent, and they're just gonna be more talented than like 99% of all other teams. So yeah, Kyle is if you kick haven't butt. been, what? I said Kyle is going to kick butt. Oh yeah. If you haven't been um, to a gymnastics meet, I would highly, highly recommend it. They, they pack poly more than the basketball games have been getting uh, attendance. Like the energy is just so high and so positive. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and the gymnast like the it's it's just so impressive and they're just so good. Um, so if you're in the area, definitely go support the team because it's a lot of fun and the, it's like ten bucks to go. Area it's being cheap. Southern California, you have no excuses. <laughs> yeah, make it out for at least one. So not areas in Westwood, Southern California. If you're in the valley, yeah. you're in the area. If you're within in, like an hour drive. If you're if you're in San Diego, you're in the area. <laughs> oh, we're we're expanding to two hours now. Yeah, Mexico. Yeah, yeah, we can have a talk. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, to your point. Yeah, so they're they're a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I think we're gonna wrap it up here. Um, We'll we'll be back later on with some basketball stuff and and go from there. All right, that's it for me. Uh, the game starts today, uh, but by the time you hear this, like I think the game will be over. Um, but look out for um, men's basketball uh, next Saturday, three p.m. Uh, I believe it's on NBC and uh, ABC. It's on ABC. Okay. The girls play Georgia, I think, this week as well. I don't know when, but uh, girls basketball. So look out for that as well. Uh, we have some good games coming up in the next week. So uh, stay in tune. Hopefully some some wins. We will take those because we need them badly. Um, and, and with that, we are going to sign off. All right. Go Bruins. And follow us at Bruins Source. Yep. Go Twitter, all all the channels. All right, go Bruins. Go Bruins.